Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. This is the first Wednesday Evening Chapel of the spring term. Spring has sprung. All in favor of spring sprunging? Yeah, but we're not through with winter yet. As for me and my house, looking forward to serving him through our obedience. Just a reminder that at the end of the service today, um, you'll be, have a chance to participate in the Samaritan Fund offering. Uh, it is an offering that goes to help uh, students in need. There'll be a couple of folks with some plates at the end, so make sure that you give them something that's redeemable in the plate, and, uh, and then we'll make sure that it happens. Uh, Dr. Alan Deuce is the preacher of the evening. He's going to minister the word from the book of Exodus. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have to be able with our hearts, our minds, our lives to ascribe worship, glory, honor to you, to sing songs of praise, to acknowledge who you are, to celebrate your goodness, to come before you, seeking you and finding you. Bless us as we open your word together. Lord, make it find lodging in each of our hearts. Transform our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Take your Bibles if you would like and turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Listen to this part of an email from missionary David Allen from Thailand sent a few years ago now. Missionary David Allen said this, he said, my condition is quite serious now. My body is beginning to break down. I'm in constant pain. I have to take painkillers regularly. They have found two foreign parasites, but no one has ever seen them before nor can they identify them. I feel that I'm in a very dark valley right now. What happened, parasites had invaded this missionary's body and the, the year before he wrote this email and his health was deteriorating, his life was fading quickly. The doctors had given up hope and told him there was nothing more they could do and he had a very, very short time to live. Nazarene churches and missionary presidents all around the world were contacted to pray and thousands of people began to pray. At the same time when they contacted all those churches and missionary presidents, Nazarene medical professionals, doctors and other medical professionals, research scientists of a variety of kinds began to, to contact this missionary and those around him to offer their help to try to treat whatever it was that, that was a about to take his life. <clears throat> but missionary David Allen responded to each one of those offers for help and said, thank you, but they are no longer necessary because in his words, from the time the prayer began to cover the world, every test taken to find parasites came back negative. God answers prayer. Do you believe it? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, God answers prayer. 
I believe it. Now come back up here. We're up here right now. We're still together. Uh, attention class. Here we are. God answers prayer. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God, whom we serve, wants to hear and answer every one of our prayers. But I have observed something. Tell me if you have observed the same thing. It seems to me that God answers some people's prayers more consistently than He answers other people's prayers. Have you observed that phenomena? Now, I assume probably everyone here in this room prays. But I also believe that, that most of us would like to know how to pray more effectively. How to pray and get more consistent answers to the prayers that we're praying. Moses, in Exodus chapter 32 had just led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He led them to the foot, the foot of Mount Sinai. They had gathered around. God had said, Moses, tell the people, don't come near the mountain, don't touch it. It's holy because I am here. Tell them to stay back. Moses, put Aaron in charge of the people, and you come up to the top of the mountain. We need to talk. So Moses did that. He went to the top of the mountain, and God began to have this conversation with Moses, where he he talked with him about how to have a relationship with God. He explained to him how the covenant people should live in relationship with God. The ritual law, the spiritual law, all the things that went into that. In fact, the Bible basically says God gave Moses in that time the outline of the first five books of the Old Testament. It took a while. Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, for you older folks... Back at the foot of the mountain, for you younger people who have no idea what I was alluding to and don't care, <clears throat> and that's okay too, back at the foot of the mountain, the people had come to Aaron, and they'd said, Aaron, we don't know what has happened to this Moses guy. We don't know what has happened to this God whom we were serving, but we need a God. We need a God to take care of us. Moses dumped us out here in the middle of the desert. Don't, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We have no one to care for us, no one to lead us. Make us a God that we can worship who will take care of us. And Aaron, being the strong-minded, passionate God follower that he was, said, Okay, I will. And he did. And he saw that they liked it, so he said, here, let's have a festival to your new Lord. And they did. Wow. You know, every time I read that, I think, unbelievable. How could they do that? I mean, God has just delivered them out of hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. God has just miraculously brought them out of the hand of Pharaoh. All of the stuff that God did, the pillar of fire and cloud and parting the sea. Wouldn't you like to see that? The parting the sea and all the things that God did. And then 30 days plus and they say, we're done with you God. Don't know where you are. Don't care anymore. We need a new God. And I start to get a little critical of them in my spirit. And then the Lord says, Alan. And I remember that I have observed in myself and in others that it seems that it doesn't take very long. If God doesn't do exactly what we want for Him to do, 
in exactly the way that we want him to do it exactly according to the timetable that we have prescribed for him to do it within many very easily and very quickly begin to look elsewhere for their gods look at what God said in Exodus chapter 32 I think I'd like to begin reading with verse 7 if I may then the Lord said to Moses go down because notice this next pronoun I love this it's so parental because your people when they're good they're his people when they're bad they're Moses people okay because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, Moses, so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation." But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Oh Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt, notice the pronoun, with great power, with a mighty, that should say your mighty hand, but he, did, he missed that opportunity, with a mighty hand, maybe it's the NIV, Dr. King check that for me, would you please? With a mighty hand, Oh my goodness. Why should the Egyptians say it's with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, God. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Moses, wow. Moses, we know, probably the most important character in the Old Testament, right? But what we don't talk about about Moses very frequently is that he was also one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible as well. Moses prayed one of the most powerful types of prayers that we can pray here in this passage of Scripture. He prayed an intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, ready for a definition? Intercessory prayer is interceding for someone. Oh, wow, I see nods. Wasn't that profound? Uh, you're scaring me. You're either completely asleep or you're afraid to, to acknowledge truth. Let me, let me picture it for you this way, okay? Uh, mom is mad. I mean, mom's blood is boiling. The kids have finally done it this time. They have stepped on her last nerve, and she has decided this is the end. She has equipped herself with a sharp object, and she is going after the children for blood. Dad, at risk of life and limb. 
places himself between mom and children and says, Mom, these are your kids. You made them. You can do with them what you want to do with them. But before you do, let me remind you that you really do love them. You have invested heavily in them. Be sure to take a breath before you do whatever it is you choose to do. That's intercession. The Bible says Jesus is the ultimate intercessor for us. Jesus stood between us and the judgment that you and I deserve. God describes intercession in Ezekiel chapter 22 where he says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And then one of the most painful and sad indictments in all of the word of God, God says, I looked for a man who would build up the wall and, and stand in the gap on the behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I couldn't find one. I couldn't find anyone who would stand as an intercessor on behalf of the people. Moses powerfully interceded with God on behalf of Israel, and God answered Moses' prayer. I want to get answers to prayer like Moses got answers to prayer. And I believe that in this text, there are some keys that we can observe together quickly that will help us to be able to pray like Moses prayed. And the first one is found in verse 32, where Moses says this, But now, please, God, forgive their sin. But if not, then block me out of your book as well. Wow. Listen, if you're going to pray like Moses prayed, you're going to need to get serious about praying. Moses said, God, if you're going to kill them, they're your people, you made them, you can do with them whatever you choose to do with them. But if you're going to kill them, God, then just go ahead and send me to hell with them. That's what he said. That's serious, isn't it? Moses is serious. A lot of prayer, I am absolutely convinced, a lot of prayer is not answered simply because we don't take prayer seriously. We need to get serious about praying if we want God to work. What do you mean by that, Alan? What do you mean by serious? I'm glad you asked. Let me suggest a couple of things. If you want to get answers to prayer the way that Moses got answers to prayer, you've got to get serious about praying. And the first thing that I observe about that is that you've got to make time to pray. Exodus 32.1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. Moses was on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, spending time in the presence of God. Came down, saw what was done, bawled the people, out, went back up for another 40 days, 40 nights of fasting and prayer on his face before God on behalf of the people. That's almost three solid months of prayer. Moses took the time, made the time to spend with God. If you're going to get answers to prayer, you've got to get serious. And part of it means that you've got to make the time to pray. Now, I happen to be a very aware 
that everyone in this room feels the guilt of lack of time. I am aware that you are at the busiest place. This is good news. You are probably at the busiest place you will ever be in your life. I know that occasionally you hear somebody say, you think this is bad, wait till you get in ministry, baloney. Been there, done that. This is worse. You are at the worst place I know of that you will ever be in in your life. Hallelujah, glory to God, can I get a witness? I thought that would wake a couple of you up. Oh, my goodness. But even here, even in these days when you are pulled between jobs and classes and family responsibilities and occasionally trying to just have a life, even here, God wants to know you. And there are a lot of people who are desperate for you to pray for them. And if you're going to get answers to prayer the way that Moses did, you've got to make time to pray. Jesus, who is our great example, Jesus had three years, I'm constantly amazed, three years to do a level of ministry and achievement that none of us will ever be able to parallel in our entire lifetimes. And yet in that three years, you see continuously interspersed in the scripture these little statements that say Jesus went aside and spent a long period of time. The crowd was pulling for him. The disciples were looking for him. Everybody wanted his attention. He withdrew. All these responsibilities to uh, to do list as long as any of ours and yet he pulled aside to spend time with God if you're going to get serious about prayer to get answers for prayer you've got to make the time to spend some time with God in prayer serious prayer takes time Jesus took time Moses took time Jacob wrestled all night Elijah prayed all night it's throughout the Bible. You've got to make the time to pray. Yangi Cho, his words ring in my ears. Americans will give all the money that they want. They'll do anything except pray. If you're going to get answers to prayer, you've got to make the time to pray. You've also got to pray. If you're going to pray seriously, you've got to pray with intensity. Moses' prayer was intense. Look at verse 11. Moses says to God, God, don't respond from anger. Almighty God, don't destroy your people. God, remember your promises. How long has it been since you've been on your face before God and saying, God, it is your character that is on the line. God, it is your promises that we are claiming. God, it is you that we are standing before and we are claiming that you will be the God that you have claimed that you will be. Moses' prayer was intense. I'll never forget the first time that I went with a group of Korean friends up to the, the mountain outside, a mountain outside of Pasadena, California, a prayer mountain bought by a church set aside. First time I'd been to a prayer mountain. Couldn't wait to get there and knew I wanted to go with Koreans since they started that whole movement. And I got up to the top of the mountain and I discovered something. Koreans operate under the presupposition that God is deaf. When they pray, they pray. If God was deaf, He would have heard them. They pray with passion and zeal and intensity and power and volume. They make me sound quiet. They prayed. And you know what? They get answers to their prayers. Not just... Prayers are not answered just because they're loud and just because they're long. But prayers, apart from intensity, often go unanswered. The people, you know, we spend more time 
God isn't going to take us seriously until we get serious about what we are asking of Him. I hear much more said in our prayers. We spend more time putting conditional clauses in our prayers. We put more conditional clauses in our prayers than a Philadelphia lawyer puts in a divorce decree. We put more conditional clauses in our prayers. Oh God, now, thy will not my, my will be done. Oh God, now, you know, we don't want to step on your toes, God. Oh God, now whatever you want. Oh God, please don't misunderstand. We put all this time into putting these conditional clauses into our prayers instead of coming before God and getting serious with God and letting Him sort out the rest. If we're going to pray and get answers to prayer, we've got to get serious, which means make time. It means pray with intensity. It means select special places to get alone with God. Notice the tent of meeting mentioned in Exodus 30. Second, if we're going to get answers to prayer, we've got to pray persistently. Moses spent almost three months on top of the mountain just praying. I would suggest that that implies persistence, wouldn't you? Jesus said constantly, if you want to get answers to prayer, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He told story after story that remind us that if we want God to respond, we have to keep on persistently besieging heaven with our prayers. God wants to hear and answer our prayers. And God very often rewards persistence. When I believe that something is right, when I believe that I am praying what God would have me to pray, I pray until God answers that prayer or until He redirects that prayer. When He says stop praying, I'll stop. But until then, if I believe with all my heart it is something of God, I will continue and continue and continue. There have been times when I was praying for someone for healing or health or some other kind of thing in their life and God said, no, Alan, that's not how I want you to pray. I want you to pray this way instead. He's God, I'm not. Glory be to God. Let Him be God in all circumstances. But until then, keep on praying. Third, if you want to get answers to prayer the way that Moses did, you have got to get serious about prayer, praying persistently. And third, let me suggest that you need to expect to get answers to your prayers. Let me say that again. I believe that we need to expect to get answers to our prayers. When Moses prayed, he expected for God to answer him. Prayer is communication. When I talk to someone, I expect an answer. When I call my wife on the phone, if she hangs up on me, that's an answer. That's not a good one, but it's an answer. I expect to get answers to... That's two tonight, isn't it, baby? I'm sorry. That's, I usually only do one, but she hasn't heard me preach the last few times, so I have several stored up. I expect... I expect to get answers to my prayers. Moses prayed with incredible faith. He knew what faith was. Remember what faith is? It is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It doesn't say, well, we kind of think maybe God's up there somewhere and if we pray, He might want occasionally to respond to whatever it is that we might need or, or He has promised to us. That is not faith. Faith expects to get answers to prayer. I expect 
expect for God to hear and answer my prayers. You need to expect when you pray for God to hear and to answer your prayers. That means believing that God really is who He says He is. And God really does what He promises He will do. It means that all those promises that we have from God, we can claim on the authority of the character of God, not on our character, on His. You need to learn to expect for God to answer your prayers. Now, a part of that I understand, please, I understand all of the theological implications, or at least most of the theological implications of what it is that I am saying right now. The dangers, but we spend so... You've heard a hundred sermons on the dangers of expecting God to answer your prayers. You haven't heard five on expecting God to answer your prayers. And I'm here to tell you the Scripture is balanced the opposite direction. God wants you to expect for Him to answer your prayers. Now as a part of that, that certainly also means that when God answers, I am responsible to accept His answers. Very often, very often, God answers my prayers the way that I want for God to answer my prayers. But sometimes God says, no, Alan, that's not the direction we're going. We're going over here. Six years ago and six years and two months tonight, I stood in a hospital room in San Antonio by the bedside of my older brother. Four days before, I had received a call. Sonny's in a diabetic coma. We don't know if he'll live or he'll die. I got on my face before God and began to fast and pray for the next four days until I could be with Him. I begged God in every way I knew for Him to raise Him up with health and with strength. I reminded God of His promises. I reminded God of the many miracles that I had watched Him do throughout my brother's lifetime as we have prayed and we had seen God do incredible things of health and restoration in His life. And I reminded God, this is exactly what you need to do in His life one more time. And I remember getting on that airplane from Detroit and heading down to San Antonio and the family was up there. Some strange booking issue that I think was providential. They were up there and I was back here sitting alone for hours as I agonized before God. Oh God, you need to hear and answer this prayer. If you've ever answered one of my prayers, and you've answered a bunch of them, answer this one. And all the time that I was praying those prayers, God was giving me verses of comfort and consolation and Holy Spirit was whispering to me, about what his direction was in this circumstance. I heard him, and I said, God, no. Oh, God, if there is any way you could change your mind, no. And I, I beat on the gates of heaven until God finally said, this is the way it's got to be. When I pray, I expect God to answer my prayers. I expect it. I believe it. It's what He wants to do. But it also means that I accept His answers when He gives them. Sometimes we aren't ready for them, but I accept them. Which means, of course, asking in agreement with His will as we're taught in 1 John and you've heard explained to you on many occasions. It also means, if I want to get answers to prayer the way that Moses got answers to prayer, it means that I need to be in a right relationship with God myself when I'm asking. This would not have been a good time for Aaron to have prayed for the children of Israel. 
Aaron was not in a right relationship with God. He was the future high priest of the nation. He, his descendants would be the priests forever, but he was not there with God. There are a lot of prayers... I am absolutely convinced there are a lot of prayers that God wants to answer that go unanswered, not because they're outside of God's will, but because there isn't the relationship that needs to be there for the asker. One of the least desirable verses in all the Bible, Psalm 66, 18, David said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened to me. The first prayer God wants to hear is relationship building with Him. When things are clear here, I can ask. You know, if my kids have just really messed up, before they ask for the car keys, they better ask for forgiveness. Before we beat down the gates of heaven, we better make sure that everything is good between us and Jesus. I am absolutely convinced God wants to answer your prayers. I'll never forget, 12-year-old boy, beautiful child. We saw this child grow up in our first church where we were pastoring. Mother called. The child had been having these terrible headaches. She had taken him to the hospital the day before where she was a nursing supervisor over hundreds of nurses. Sharp gal, beautiful kid. And she called us and she said, they have just called me from the hospital. They've gotten the tests back. He has an aneurysm. It's swollen. It may burst any moment. I'm rushing him to Toledo to the hospital where they're going to do emergency sur surgery. But before I go, could you pray? Jan immediately rushed over there and anointed this child and prayed for him. And the mom and child took off for Toledo. And we prepared ourselves to go up there to be with them during the time of the surgery. But before we could even leave town... The mom had called back and said, well, we got him there. As they were prepping him for surgery, doing all of the tests that they do right before surgery, they said, we're not going to do surgery. There is no sign that there has ever been an aneurysm in this child's brain. I like for her to pray for me <laughs> when something's wrong. That was a good one. Mark that one up. <laughs> Everybody is a witness. <laughs> God answers prayer. God wants to answer our prayers. I believe that. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to answer our prayers as a faith community. Six of us gathered at noon today for a beautiful time of prayer, a season of prayer together here on our campus what would happen, what would happen if it was 60 instead of 6? Now I know, I know, I remember like it was yesterday when Jan and I felt compelled by the Lord to start that first Friday prayer and fasting noontime prayer time at our church. And I remember so many people saying to me, Alan, I would love to be there, but I can't be there because I'm at work or I'm at this or I'm at this or I'm at this. But I can also remember several guys who came to me and they looked me in the eye and they said, I just want you to know, Pastor Alan, I can't make it all the way there because I work at a distance away from where the church is. 
I won't be there physically, but I want you to know on my break time, when it's my lunch time, I won't be eating with the guys like normal. On that day, I will be joining with you in prayer. I go out to my car, I take out my Bible, I lay it before God, and I get on my face before God, and I'm praying together with you. I want you to know that we are praying together. What would happen if God could move our hearts? I remember so clearly we moved here, left the pastorate to come to Nazarene Bible College. In the pastorate, you don't think about it, but something happens when you're a pastor. Hundreds of people were praying for us. When we moved to Nazarene Bible College, I noticed immediately that that prayer cover was gone. Now, I'm not saying no one here prays. I bet even a few of you occasionally pray positively for your professors. <laughs> and for all of those positive prayers, I say thank you. But can I tell you that we need each other's prayers? Can I tell you that your faculty needs desperately for you to be interceding for them? Can I tell you that your children are desperate for your prayers? That your friends here at NBC, your, your, your fellow students, the faculty and administration and the community here at Nazarene Bible College, can I tell you that we live in a beautiful city that is on its way to hell? Can I tell you that there are so many around us who are desperate for your prayers? What has struck me in the last 20 years is if I don't pray, no one will. I looked for a man who would build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land and I couldn't find anybody. That is our God pleading with us. Will you pray? Will you pray? And hear this professor with all his heart speaking to you with God's love saying, will you pray with me. Thank God for a staff member who hear God's voice and says, I'll call NBC to prayer. I'll call NBC to prayer. We'll have prayer meetings. Not all the people with the positional influence who maybe should do that, could do that. Someone who heard God's voice, could we pray with them? I think we could. And I can tell you this, if we pray like Moses prayed, there won't be anything that can stand in God's way. Pray with me. Thank you, O oh Lord our God, that you are who you say you are and that you always do what you promise you will do. Thank you, God, for these men and women of faith who love you, who have been called by your name, who have come to this place to learn to better serve you. I pray for each of them, God. I pray for their teachers. I pray for each student and spouse and child and family member. I pray, O oh God, that you would teach us to pray the way that Moses prayed, Oh God, we are little children who don't know our right hand from our left before you and we are desperate for you, Oh God, to show us what it means to fall on our feet before you, to grab the hem of your garment and not let go until you bless us. Father, we are before you as a community and we cry out to you, Hear us, Lord, hear us. Teach us to pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.
grace, take us from this place with your blessing, assured of your presence. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Go in peace.